service. Welcome back to the Full Service Podcast. I am Tank Smith, your host. Today, episode 107. So happy that you're here. Hope your uh, Thanksgiving was a good one. Hope it was wonderful. I ate too much, and uh, I'm afraid of a scale. So that's that's where I'm at. But I uh, hope you're good. Uh, also, happy Hanukkah to the people out there. What's up? I uh, I went. I saw on Twitter Hanukkah started yesterday. So I went to my roommate. I was excited. I was like, "Bro, happy Hanukkah!" He's like, "It does not start for a few hours." But I appreciate the sentiment. I felt good. I felt good about it. Uh, but hope y'all are good. Thanks for being here. Uh, as always, we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter at Full Service Pod. I am at Tank Funkadelic. If you enjoy the show, make sure you are subscribed on whatever platform you're joining us on. Hit that like button, that follow button, that heart, that plus, that subscribe. You'll be alerted as soon as those new episodes drop. Ratings and reviews help so much for visibility for the show. So if you can, hit us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. Write us a review. I'll read it on air. It's my favorite thing ever. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is by joining us on Patreon. Each month we have at least one Patreon-exclusive episode. We uh, we actually had like five people join Patreon this past month. Shout out to them. Oh my god. Amazing. So uh, if you want to do that, patreon.com slash fullservicepod. Today, episode 107, so excited, so excited, my guest is Melbourne, Australia-based sex worker, writer, sex educator, activist, podcaster, Georgie Wolf is on the podcast. I uh, actually did her podcast, The Satisfaction Project, in September, and when you recorded that, I was like, I gotta, I gotta get her on the pod, so she's here. So stoked to have her on. We uh we talk life after lockdown. I don't know if you, a lot of you guys know you're in the U.S. Uh, Australia they've been locked down hard. They uh they actually just got out of lockdown in like October. So we talk getting out of that. What she's been up to for the past year. What sex work looks like after lockdown. We talk her podcast, The Satisfaction Project. We talk the importance of boundaries, consent. We talk working in a brothel, working independently. Why sometimes you just got to sing Nickelback during a threesome. Sometimes it happens and it's wonderful. Shout out, Georgie. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Such a good time. Guaranteed, y'all are going to love this episode. You can find Georgie on Twitter, at Georgie Wolf. You can find The Satisfaction Project, wherever you find podcasts. The website, satisfactionproject.com. And you can find The Satisfaction Project on Twitter, at All About Escorts. I'll have links to all of those in the show notes. Click the links, do the things, give her a follow, listen to the podcast. Uh, I'm going to stop talking. I uh, hope you enjoy my conversation today with Georgie Wolf. Thanks. Welcome back, listeners. It's Tank Smith. I'm so fucking excited for today's episode. My guest is Melbourne-based sex worker, writer, podcaster, sex educator, activist, Georgie Wolf. Georgie, thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Super excited to have another chat with you. This is great. This is great. I did your podcast, I think, like in September. Now you're mm-hmm. now you're back on this podcast. Fuck, this is great. Hell yeah. What goes around <laughs> comes around. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Hell yes. Right. Listeners, I am currently in Atlanta. Georgie, where are you joining the people from? Where are you joining us from? I'm in Melbourne and it is 8 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. So these are the sacrifices I make so I can yarn with people about sex work. I will get up at 7 a.m. on a weekend. This is amazing. I appreciate you getting up early. You know, I had we had Thanksgiving yesterday, so I feel like I'm recovering today. It's like the afternoon. So I appreciate you getting up early for the podcast. Well, I appreciate you working over Thanksgiving. This is holiday peak holiday season now, isn't it? Like you should all be relaxing, really. Yeah, today's uh, Black Friday. I haven't done any shopping, um, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to go to the gas station and see if I can get some chips for uh, cheap cheap prices. I don't know. <laughs> oh, we, we get all the Black Friday sales here too. I should buy myself a new frock or something. Like, you know, we, we get all the same discounts. Oh, nice. Hell yeah. Yeah. 
is there anything you you want like for Christmas this year? Is that happening? Is there is there a gift mm-hmm. or like end of the year? What do you want for a gift? You know what I really want for Christmas, because we've been in in lockdown in Melbourne for much of this year due to the pandemic. I would really like to get laid. Just putting that out into the universe. People, Georgie has spoken into existence. It's laid. It's got to right. happen. Manifest it, right? I want to get laid. Someone solve this problem for me. I'm sure there are people out there who can solve this problem for me. There are definitely <laughs> people out there that can solve this problem for you. <laughs> it's really hard. It's hard doing like a whole year of being stuck inside, right? That's crazy. That's one of the things I kind of wanted to find out because I know like I think it was like it's been like a little over a month since like lockdown has kind of ended. How's mm-hmm. that been? How's that been getting out? Super weird. I had my first um, social dinner date a couple of weeks ago. And it's like I'd forgotten how to hooker, if you'll excuse me using the word. Please don't use the word hooker. I'm allowed to use the word hooker because I'm a sex worker. But I'd kind of forgotten how to do it. So I'm like, oh, what do I wear? And how much makeup do I put on? And should I wear the really big heels or the small small heels? And I went all out. I wore the really tight pants and I wore the really big heels. And then I turned up and it was this tiny little really casual Mexican restaurant that my friend had picked and it was beautiful, but I just hadn't checked. So I turned up in like full glam and I could barely walk in these giant heels. And then I drank half a jug of sangria with my best mate, who's also a worker. And then I couldn't walk away because I was too drunk to walk away on my giant heels. So I think I've got some work to do. That's great. I feel like that's how, as soon as people came out of quarantine, they didn't really know, like people were tongue kissing strangers in the streets, just going <laughs> all out full parties. Like, I'm the opposite. I have social anxiety. So I'm a bit like, oh my God, I have to speak to people now. How do I do that? And just trying to, you know, relearn how to get out into society and be a functioning member of society is totally a problem. It is kind of crazy. I mean, I feel like I did have a little anxiety, like just like when you're when you've been inside for a long time and then you're going outside and then potentially anybody could be like (laughs) infect you with this thing that everyone's telling you is the worst thing ever. It is like a lot of like, oh, fuck, is this okay? Like what we're doing right now? It is. It's scary stuff. Relearn. And like total props to you, by the way, because I'm aware that the situation in the USA has been somewhat more dire than here in Australia. We had much lower case numbers. Um, Although, yeah, we've lost people and it absolutely sucks. But I understand that maybe the fear and anxiety and stuff might be a bit more intense for you folks. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a wild world we're living in. This is a crazy time. What a time to be alive. Yeah. I know at least, at least like it's, it's all, it's cold here. You know, it's winter almost. Winter's like coming up in a month. I know you guys are exact opposite. You guys, summer's about to start popping off. You got any mm-hmm. plans for the summer? What's happening? Oh my God. I had a work meeting yesterday and the sun was out on my balcony and I went and put my computer so that people could see my face. And then I took my pants off and lay in the sun and got a bit of a tan and it was so nice. So we're nice. getting that weather coming in now, getting to get outside again. Looking forward to that. What's uh what's something to do in is it Melbourne 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 what's what's something good to do like if so say Melbourne, somebody's mate. coming okay Melbourne okay okay oh, fucking oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so visitors to Melbourne I mean you know like if you're into the Thanksgiving eating I would recommend the eating here all the eating in Melbourne is good the eat, the food in Melbourne is so good that when you travel to other places you kind of like oh why did I come here the food's not as good. I should just go home and order a steak. And then everyone thinks you're an insufferable wanker because everywhere you go, you're just like, oh, yeah, this restaurant's fine, but. (laughs) So that's my recommendation. Come to Melbourne, go to a really good restaurant. Um, Okay. Like try try some of the food. I I can't speak to the night spots because pandemic, I haven't been out in like a year. It's a bit sad. That's wild. How uh, how have you been able to stay motivated? Because I feel like every time like I see your name at like on Twitter, mm-hmm. new articles are coming out, new episodes of your podcast. How are you staying motivated in this time when it's like just a wild time? I, I like a good project. I think keeping busy distracts me from things. So mid pandemic, I was suddenly like, ah, oh, maybe I'll start another business. That would be a fun thing to do mid pandemic. Let's let's start another website. So that was why the satisfaction project happened because I decided to start a, another business in addition to the ones I was already running and doing sex work um, just to, so that I'm busy enough that I'm not worrying about what's going okay. on. 
Tell us, uh, tell the people a little bit about the Satisfaction Project. I was, uh, people, I was on episode number two. Uh, what is the Satisfaction mm. Project? When did you start it? What are some goals? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's such a good chat. Thanks for coming on and helping me get that podcast started. So basically the Satisfaction Project is a website and a membership program for clients who see hands-on sex workers who want to get the info, want to feel confident, like want to kind of, you know, just really get the, um, the the skills they need to have really, really good sex. Because I feel like we just don't really talk about that much. Like clients have to kind of figure it out on their own. And if you want to see a sex worker, you kind of need to work it out and try and work out the right things to say and do. And no one's really going to help you. Like you can't just ask your mates, right? Yeah, no. There's, there's so many times, like, when I started this, I had no idea anybody who had seen a sex worker. So I'm like, I mm-hmm. am looking on the internet. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing, you know? And you don't know. Like, you don't know talking to your friends. Some of them could be really, like, you know, whorephobic or sex negative, and they might just slap you. Like, it's a really hard thing to bring up to go, hey, I think maybe I'd like to see a sex worker that that might be good for me. So I started writing a lot of articles around that, why sex work is a really good option for a lot of people and how to contact an escort for the first time, things like that. And also things like um, I've spoken with a lot of clients who get really emotionally attached to their workers and didn't know how to handle it. And again, this is stuff we just don't teach people. Like we don't teach people emotional skills for managing those feelings. Um, And things can get real dramatic if you don't know how to handle your feelings when you're seeing a sex worker in the long term. So try to help people out with that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. People where, uh, where can the people find the, your podcast, the satisfaction Ooh. project? Yeah. The website is satisfactionproject.com, and I'm on Twitter as well. Um, currently, uh, the handle is at all about escorts. Although I probably need to fix that cause it's not just all about escorts. It's about sex workers in general. Okay. Hell yeah. People all about escorts, the satisfaction project, subscribe to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. What are you doing? <laughs> We've got some quality quality guests on the podcast, including you. It was a great chat. Hey, including me. Episode number two. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> mm. What uh, what's something you're passionate about? I know a lot of like this year has been like I feel like you've had a lot of time to kind of like think like or really like delve into like what do you want to do? You know what uh, what's something you're you found maybe you're passionate about? So many things. And I'm, I'm into so many things and it's so tiring. I love writing. Um, I love working out. I used to be a fitness instructor. So I'm really into lifting um, and running, which I'm going to do after we've finished this recording. During the pandemic, I started as a mental health kind of self-care. I started illustrating people's cats. So nice. people would post pictures of their cats on social media and I'd take the photo and then turn their cat into a like an 8-bit illustration, and that was really fun. That's amazing. I also bought a piano during mid mid the first pandemic, 2020, and tried to learn to play that, which was hilarious. <laughs> Did you, how's, how's that going? Oh, I can play one thing poorly. That's okay. okay. It's not about being good. It's just about having a go. And this, is, this applies to everything, right? Like it's just fun to have a go at stuff. Like why not? Why not try everything? I feel like you really got to try everything to find out, like, there might be something that you want to do, but you don't even know. And then you try it and you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, this is my thing. I found it, you know. Right. Or maybe you try something and you shit at it, but it kind of still brought a bit of joy into your life. And that's great. Yeah. Hell yeah. I feel like, too, because every people follow her on Twitter. um, But I feel like I see you talking a lot about PlayStation happening. What's... (laughs) It's everyone's playing PlayStation during the pandemic. What's right. uh, what's the go-to game? Uh, okay, so PlayStation just saved my ass during the pandemic. It stopped me from going completely insane, and I'm a little bit embarrassed, but I actually am really into GTA Online. Nice. Um, and so I basically just spend a lot of time playing. Oh no, that does sound bad. If I I'd say I spend my time playing with fourteen-year-olds, you know what I mean? I'm not being gross. Yeah. You know, uh, every everyone in GTA Online is a a shitty sexist racist they're child year old um that's a that's a generalization don't sue me um <laughs> they're, so they're not just racist in the u.s they're also racist in australia as well i mean uh, not everyone and i'm sure there are some people on there that are not 14 but certainly there's some pretty offensive stuff so i try not to interact with too many people because they just keep on blowing me up and then calling me names um that's, but it's how, been it, that's how it is <laughs> 
That's GTA Online, people blowing you up and abusing you, basically. <laughs> that's really all. Yeah. Again, don't sue me. I'm sure that's not everyone's experience. People, don't sue Georgie. Don't, don't do Please. that. Please. I'm too busy for that shit. Too busy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's been really good. And it has saved my mental health, just having something to concentrate on and something to escape to if I was, like, having a bad day. Yeah. I feel like I love video. I mean, video games really... It's like takes you. You're out of Europe. You're not where you're at. You're in this game. Head. What yeah. do you play? I feel like I play a lot of FIFA, uh, Madden. Mm. Then I play. I've, I have Xbox, so I'm still like play like oh, uh, old friends. school Halo. I know, right? Really? Oh, that'd be <laughs> yeah. Fun. I'm still a Halo fan. I played a lot. I like stuff that isn't necessarily about blowing things up. I mean, I know I do enjoy blowing things up because I play GTA Online. But you know, sports games are fun. Um, you know, like race games are fun. You're not necessarily killing people. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> They're not all rated MA, you know. There's there's some rated teens that are also fun as well. All right. So I feel like, you know, at the beginning, like, I always try to start um, and everyone's kind of like beginning of their sex work career, right? You know, their sex work journey. Do you feel mm-hmm. like you can remember your first exposure to sex work at all? Oh, my God. I have such a story for this if you want to hear it. I want to hear it. So the first time I ever heard about sex work was when my nana went on holidays and she went on holidays to Perth. And Perth is a bit of a like a city that's really a country town. It's on the other side of Australia. It's quite hot. There's a lot of deserty stuff going on. And she went to a tiny little town called Karatha in Perth, which is where Australia's oldest brothel is. Oh, wow. And they, they do tours of this brothel. And so because she was an amazing woman, my nana, she did a tour of Karatha brothel and then she came back and told the whole family about it. And I was like 10 at the time. She's like, you know, I met all these ladies and they were actually there working, saving up um, for the, to pay for their weddings. And I was like, oh, that's a thing. That's a thing people do. Fuck. That's amazing. Uh, and I haven't actually mentioned this to my family. Like, hey, so it was nana that sort of gave me the idea of getting into sex work. <laughs> Um, but it was just lovely. She was so curious. When you heard her, like when you first heard that, was there any like, when you, what are you thinking, I guess, at that time? I think I was thinking, cool, that's very enterprising of them. Like I, I'm not into the wedding stuff, but sure, like as if you wouldn't just pop up yeah. to Karatha and work for a few months and make a packet. Like that sounds like a good kind of business proposition. Yeah. Yeah. And no one was like, oh, God, how horrible. So I didn't get those negative vibes. Yeah. How did you end up getting into sex work? What, what was your path like into sex work? Um, I've done a lot of different jobs and I moved to Melbourne from Sydney uh, about 12 years ago. Um, just I really needed a change of scenery. I was pretty depressed. Um, I was working a really shitty job that I wasn't enjoying. So I came down to Melbourne. I was living in a backpackers. I was just steadily eating all my money Um you know, I was a bit like, oh, my God. And the problem with moving cities is no one wants to give you a job because they're afraid you're going to move back and bail. Oh, yeah. So I applied for a lot of jobs in the other fields I work in. I'm a photographer and graphic designer as well. And nobody wanted to give me a fucking job. And I was getting really desperate. I was, like, starting to run out of money. And then I ran into an old friend of mine that I hadn't seen in literally, like, 10 years. And they said, oh, why don't you just go do some brothel shifts? And I went, oh, is it that simple? And they went, yeah. It really is like find the nearest brothel to where you're staying, call them up, go, hey, um, you know, go in, give it a go. Like you can always just not do it again if you don't like it. And I went, oh, yeah. I just never considered. And so I called up the nearest brothel and they were like, oh, okay, come in for an interview. And what I didn't realize at the time is that a brothel interview is them showing you where, like where the lockers are. I thought it was full interview. I actually put it like oh, a yeah. college shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got dressed up like I put a college shirt on and some nice slacks. And then I turned up to this interview expecting for them to say, so what's your experience and why do you want to do this job? You know, standard job interview questions. Uh, But no, they went, here are the lockers, here are the bathrooms and here's where you sit. (laughs) So then I got started. (laughs) How are you like, so going into that, are you like, do you know anything about that brothel world at all? Like, because I know in Australia where sex work is legal, they do have brothels. Are you mm. kind of aware of that, of that, I guess, world at all? Or are you kind of going into it like, hey, I need, I just need to make money. This is, and I'm going to do this. Yeah. So, um, so brothels are kind of illegal, in, allowed in some states of Australia and not in others. Same as independent sex work is allowed in some states of Australia and not in others under certain circumstances. It's super 
complicated. It's very patchy. But, yeah, in Sydney where I grew up, brothels were a thing. And, in fact, I'd actually taken one of my partners to a brothel previously because I wanted to have a threesome and I decided it was better to pay for the threesome than to try and, you know, convince some random woman to have a threesome because that's just obnoxious, right? That is um, the best idea. Threesome, threesome, sex worker. Right. That's that's the way to go. It 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 was a little more dramatic than I'd hoped. So I accidentally took my partner to the most expensive brothel in Sydney. <laughs> um, and as soon as we walked in, a, a um a busload of footballers arrived. <laughs> so we were sitting there, and these footballers walk in, literally ten of them, and they're looking at me, and I'm looking at them, and they were like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> But then we met this amazing woman and had this really amazing threesome and she was really cool. She was really cool, this worker, um, and just lovely. And it was a lovely introduction to meeting a sex worker and what they could be like and what that service could be like. So I think I was pretty impressed with what, and I knew what was possible um, at that stage. When I started work, I'm like, okay, like I know the kind of experience that can happen if you meet a good worker and I'd like to be that, that worker. That's awesome. It was really helpful to have that experience. How did you like working at the brothel? What was your it was experience really cool. there? It's um, it's not open anymore. It was a tiny little um, female-run brothel run by these two ladies, um, and they were really nice. And the people who worked there were also really nice and gave me a lot of tips and helped me out because I was new. And then the owners sort of gave me the experienced clients that they knew were friendly. So I got to start off with some clients who knew the ropes and were willing to sort of ease me into it. Uh, met some really nice people that used to come to that. It was, it was a good way to start. I think I don't, I think if I'd gone straight into independent work, I would have struggled a bit to find my feet. It was really nice to have that peer support. Okay. I feel like I ask everybody too, like, is, was there kind of like a learning curve or like a waiver period at the beginning when you're like not good or maybe inexperienced to where you're like, mm. just that, yeah. that initial learning curve. How is that? I find, cause I'd already been shagging like a motherfucker uh, for most of my life. <laughs> So that wasn't an issue. But the biggest thing for me, I think, is boundaries. So, you know, I meet a lot of people who have never learned how to ask for what they want or how to set a boundary or respect a boundary. And that's not to say they're bad people. It's just we don't learn this stuff. Like we don't learn how to ask for what we want in the bedroom. We don't learn how to check in and go, hey, are you okay with this? How are you feeling right now? What do you want? Um, And so I had to get good at, very good at, really, really setting boundaries around what I wouldn't, wouldn't do and making it very clear to clients because they don't know how to ask. And then they just try and guess. And then sometimes they get it wrong. Or sometimes if a client wanted something and was being a bit pushy, I had to get really good at saying no. And like, that's a skill that takes a bit of learning. Um, So I think that's, that's the big one for me, just learning how to set boundaries and stick to my own boundaries. Yeah. And I feel like I was listening, you were, you were talking to somebody just about like, just in terms of like talking boundaries and a lot of people take directions and sex from porn and Mm. in porn, there's no talking, you know, they're not talking about, Hey, is this okay? Do you like this? Is this, but cause that conversations happened before, you know, before the scene is filmed, you know? Mm -hmm. And so people might not understand like, Oh, Hey, we can like have this conversation about, is this cool? It's like, yes and no. And during sex mm. and, you know, and necessarily right. not necessarily learning that because you're only taking direction from thing is just when you see it as singular, kind of like it is in porn. I'm, I'm almost leaning towards these days that consent, like, isn't, it's not like a negotiation you have beforehand. Although I know some people do do in-depth negotiations beforehand, especially if you're getting up to kinky stuff and stuff like that. But it's almost like this is a thing that is best done continuously during. And I, I wish we could see that in porn. Like I wish we could see porn scenes where the the people in it are like, oh my God, this is so hot. How are you feeling right now? I love it when you do that right now. Do that to me. Like, you know, um, oh, how about this? How is this working for you? Should I go harder? Should I go slower? Um, you know, like I'd want to see that dialogue because it is really hot when you're communicating with your partner and looking them in the eyes and watching them and observing and feeding back to them. Like that's, that is really sexy. Like I wish we saw more of that. Yeah, definitely. Especially too. Cause it's like, okay, I know that you like this thing and this is cool. I'm like, that feels good to me. Cause I'm like, I know that you are, this is cool with you. That's right. <laughs> and people change too. It's like, yeah, this is good. This is good. This is good. Oh, not too much. Now we need to do something else. And you know, it's good to just be talking continuously so you can just switch at the right moment into the next hot thing. Like that's a fucking good skill to have in the bedroom. 
Yeah. And it's crazy too. Like, uh, maybe in like, so I've moved, uh, I'm in Atlanta now, but I moved from North Carolina, a couple States up in 2019. Mm. And I think in 2019 or 2020, they just put a law that you could basically like just now, like revoke consent. Once you give consent during sex, which is which blows my mind because the idea that consent is something that you say yes to and then you've signed on the dotted line, you can't take it back is like, uh, I don't think that's right. Like consent is like, hey, how's this? Yeah, this is great. Um, can we do this? Yeah, we can do this. Oh, how's that feeling? Oh, a little bit to the left. Like that's consent. It's not, yes, yeah, like consent to the sex, you know. Yeah. Um, but, we, again, we don't learn this stuff. So if this isn't a way that your listeners do sex, like no shade on on those folks because nobody no one teaches us this shit at all. Yeah. How was, so you work in a brothel, right? How is it, and you go independent, how is how does that compare working in a brothel versus independently? How How's that? I mean, everyone's going to be different, right? So everyone has a different ways that they prefer to work. And some people are happy doing brothel work and not having to manage their own admin and stuff like that. And, and you know, being able to hang out with people, having a bit of peer support. Um, I, I prefer to work on my own. I prefer taking the whole fee. Thanks very much. I prefer to do my own admin and screen my own clients. Um, and you know, I still have very good peer support from the people around me. We have a good little community and we do help each other, but it is a lot, you know, it is a lot and it gets stressful. You can't just turn up to work and do your job and go home. There is a lot of, um, answering of emails. There's a lot of social media, getting your photos done, um, you know, paying for your own ads. And I'd understand why some people wouldn't be up for that, but yeah, like I'm totally down for that stuff. And I love being able to really get to know my clients before I meet them because it gives me a much better idea of whether we're going to get along rather than then just kind of wandering in off the street. Yeah. How is, have you worked in Sydney as well? Or is it mainly in like Melbourne? Yeah. Yeah. I used to, um, I used to travel because my folks are in Sydney. So sometimes I go up there and there's a place that I have worked at when I'm visiting, um, not for quite some time. But yeah, like it's pretty cool because the the actual brothel that I work at in Sydney or worked at is part of my old stomping ground that I used to live at, um, nice. living in Sydney. So going up and kind of hanging out in the old hood and and then just like getting laid and making some money, yeah, it's been nice. How do the two cities compare in terms of the different like sex work scenes in each city? I don't know. I feel like I haven't worked enough in Sydney to know for sure. Um, the difference. I, I love Melbourne and the people I've met in Melbourne are just lovely, but I've also had some clients from Sydney who are really cool and interesting as well. Um, in New South Wales, which is where Sydney is, um, sex work is more currently a bit more decriminalized than in Victoria. So um, say you can kind of work out of your hotel in Sydney without worrying that the cops are going to get called. But in currently in Victoria, it is technically illegal to uh, work out of your own home or premises um, and oh, that wow. might change soon they're trying to put some new laws through that might help that but it's kind of annoying so it's nice to be able to go to Sydney and just get a bloody hotel room and have your clients turn up and not have to worry yeah so I know like a lot of people that listen to this podcast they're in the U.S. and you know basically in the U.S. aside from you know Nevada you know, full service sex work is pretty much, you know, illegal. And mm. Australia, like you kind of mentioned, it kind of varies region to region, but for the most part, it's uh, legal throughout um, Australia. Is that, is that, am I correct in that? I, I'm not, I'm not the ultimate expert on this stuff because it gets kind of complicated, but basically there's a few different ways um, countries or regions can manage um, legal stuff around sex work and they can either ban it outright completely or they can have certain regulations, and this is sometimes called the, like, licensing model, stuff like that. Um, okay. And then there's full decriminalisation, which where there's no there are no specific laws about sex work and sex workers are just, uh, you know, stick to the same rules and regulations as any other type of business. And then each state has a slightly different combination of all those things, which is super confusing um, and, and pretty bad. Like, some of the laws are pretty bad, although I'm just really aware that, yeah, the US is also actually pretty bad and I've talked I've talked to some workers in the US about what it's like trying to work under that regime and it's really fucking hard so like just want to shout out to those folks like doing an amazing job under really difficult conditions criminalization is fucking awful to work under yeah what's the relationship like with I guess like law enforcement and sex workers in Australia so again it would vary depending on the person and I can only speak from my personal experience 
you know, like, yeah, like we have some things at the moment under the current laws that are illegal, which means that, you know, if I'm working out of my apartment, uh, that could, the cops could get involved. If I say the wrong thing in my advertising, I can be fined. Um, and none of that inspires confidence. Like, obviously, you're very unlikely to go to the cops to report something if you think that they might then decide to investigate you for something yeah. that you've done wrong. So, it, it, and I imagine this is a similar situation to the US, right? That, you know, of course, if if I, you know, if I have a issue with someone, whether it's at work or whether it's just a partner or a friend that's gotten out of line, I'm going to hesitate before I go to the cops because I, I'm afraid that they might not treat me like a human being because I'm a sex worker. Um, and that'll, yeah. that'll get better, I hope, if we can get full decriminalisation. Um, but also as attitudes need to change too, like, um, you know, it needs to be treated like any other business, in my opinion. Yeah. This is yeah. just my experience. And there'll be a people out there that have had really shitty experiences with the cops and certainly people from like uh, marginalised um, backgrounds and stuff who will, who are targeted more than I would be because I'm fairly kind of white passing. So there's a lot of factors that play into your experience you have with the cops. And I know for some people it's it's not great. Yeah. I know uh, like during the pandemic, definitely online sex workers picked up a lot. Um, OnlyFans pretty much blew up, you know, kind of in 2020. Have a lot of people in Australia. Um, I feel like I know it's like not necessarily trying to like, oh, you're an Australian. So how about you speak for everyone <laughs> in Australia? But uh, do you feel like uh, online sex work, like OnlyFans is kind of picked up as uh, there as well? Have people, a lot of people adopted that? Look, I, I'm not sure across the whole industry, but certainly I did a podcast with one of my mates, Jenna Love, um, last year for, um, it was for my other podcast for The Art of the Hookup, which is about hooking up ethically um, and online dating. But but she talked about online sex work and how to hook up with sex workers online. So the etiquette for contacting someone, if you want to kind of do some flirty phone chat or do some camming or maybe swap some nude selfies or whatever. And that's something that she does quite a lot. So I know that it's picked up for her. I know that she's done a lot of work. Um, it's kind of cool. She does like... Uh, like virtual girlfriend packages, like where she'll oh, literally nice. text someone throughout the day going, honey, how you doing? Hope you're having a great day. Like stuff like that. It's really lovely. See, I feel like people need that, you know, just a good text. Mm. You're like, oh shit, somebody's thinking about me, you know? I kind of felt like I needed that in the mid pandemic. I wanted someone to text me and go, hey, honey, thinking of you, like that kind of stuff. Just a sweet text, just to let mm. you know that, hey, <laughs> I, right. I, I think you're nice, you know? And, and also here's my boob. And also, here's my boob. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the, the, the follow-up, you know. <laughs> just really just, the icing on top. Just to show I care, here's also just a naked picture, picture of me as well. Yeah, need to do that. Man. Lovely. How have, you know, like, uh, you know, October's kind of like when the lockdown's lifted. How, how have sex workers been affected in, you know, in, in Melbourne? I mean, again, I can only talk for myself, but I know, I know it's been hard and I'm lucky enough that I did have other bits of income coming in from my, the other kinds of work that I do. So I kind of got through lockdown. Um, okay. But a lot of people didn't, a lot of people really had trouble paying the rent, super stressful. Like they say that sex work is the oldest profession and it's the kind of job that you assume will always be around. You can always go back to, like I always thought of sex work as my fallback career, but, but now we've learned that there's a time that things could happen. There could be circumstances where we can't actually do sex work. And that was a bit of a shock. That's just great. Like, are they, are they just, are they paying people to stay inside? Like, cause if you can't go outside and you like, are they paying people? Like, or I guess the government is paying people to be able to like afford things mm -hmm. still. Yeah. We had a bit of a, we had a couple of um, assistance programs where people who were running businesses got, um, money, or if you were an employee if, under certain circumstances, you could get some money. But some sex workers didn't meet those requirements, and then it didn't apply to people who were here on visas or, um, oh wow, you know, weren't full residents, things like that. So a lot of people fell through the cracks, I think. And again, I'm not a super expert in this, but yeah, you know, like some people qualified for the payments, some people didn't, and the ones that didn't were really just like left behind, and it was really hard. Yeah. Do they, do you know if they close like brothels and stuff or those all like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, again, depending on the state. So Melbourne, we had some pretty full on lockdowns and they did close brothels. I think they closed them in Sydney during the lockdowns there. Not sure about the other states cause I haven't been keeping up, but yeah, okay. like during the, during the, um, the lockdown periods, yep. No brothels, no strip clubs. Very sad. 
Oh boy, that's that is rough. When they opened right. in Atlanta, when they opened in Atlanta, everything everywhere was just so crowded. It was it was amazing. It must have been hard. Did you find it hard during the worst bits, um, where a lot of people maybe weren't working in terms of like you know getting laid is kind of like a human need and hanging out with the people you ca- you care about. Um, was that was that difficult? Did you find that you went without for a while or that you couldn't see the people that you wanted to see? I mean, it was rough definitely not being able to see people. Um, but I feel like I got lucky. I started dating somebody like right around oh, like May of last year. Fantastic. And then we pretty much kind of rode that whole like pandemic out. And that was nice, you know, having that other person. Um, but timing. definitely if, if yeah, it was nice. <laughs> I, don't, I feel like if I didn't, if I didn't do that, I, I, it would have been fucking rough. Like, I don't, I don't really know. If it was just me stuck mm-hmm. in my room for like an extended period of time, like the beginning of the pandemic for me, I was just fucking drinking Pinot Grigio all day <laughs> and playing Skyrim for a couple months, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that shit was fucking rough. Look, oh. <laughs> And luckily, too, I had this podcast, you know, to keep me kind of sane. I'm like, well, every Tuesday I got to put an episode out. So I got to get mm-hmm. my fucking shit together, start emailing people and right. recording, you know. Deadlines I, are useful. They definitely are. They definitely were like, I got to keep my head down. I got to do this thing for the people. But if I didn't have that knife, if then I'm like completely alone, who who knows? It would have been terrible. Oh, fucking rough, man. I, I got to ask too, I'm because I'm curious, like it's really cool that you were dating someone that knows that you see or have seen sex workers um, and run a podcast about the topic. Um, that's really neat. Yeah, no, she's a sex worker too. So that was, that was cool. Yeah. I love it. And like all my like my mom, she texted me today before this uh, interview. She was like, "Hey, have a f- fruitful interview. Hope it goes well." And I was like, "Oh, mom, so sweet." That's so good. My mom listens to my podcast sometimes, which is just horrifically disturbing, given some of the shit that I say. Uh, and I don't know how to self censor, so I've just gone. Well, if you hear anything terrible, I'm not responsible. But it's still I know, nice. right? It's, really it's nice like, shares. hey, you know what's you know what's coming, so just get ready. Just <laughs> you might hear some shit. Sorry, mate. We're going to talk about gangbangs again. I'm sorry it keeps coming up. Yeah. <laughs> what, what can you do? It's like it's one point. At some point, parents have to find out that you're into weird shit. And my poor parents have been finding out I'm into weird shit, weird shit my entire life. So I feel like they're pretty good at it now. That's nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, aside from being like a, you know a sex worker, you're an activist as well for sex workers. How did you get into activism? You know, I, I, it's really hard, and this happens. Everyone I've talked to that I've called an activist has said the same thing. So I feel really pretty bad saying this, but I just don't feel, cause I don't, I don't feel like I represent sex workers. I don't feel, sometimes I don't even feel like I'm really doing anything particularly useful. I'm just like, no man, I'm just having a rant about the shit that's pissing me off and that affects me personally. And then other people occasionally are like, oh, actually that really resonated with me or thanks for saying that, um, you know, and that's a really good, like, I'm glad, I'm glad that it's hitting the right spot. But at the end of the day, like we all have so many different experiences. I, I'm really nervous about trying to say what I think is good for other people because I just yeah. don't want to get it wrong. Like, it's yeah, it's pretty dicey. I feel like too, like when, when you say something and you're like, hey, I'm just speaking for me. But then like all these people are like, oh, wow, she's speaking for all these <laughs> people. Like just like them putting that on you. Yeah, they I do. feel like I'd feel like a little bit of that imposter. Like who am I to fucking, you know, I'm just me Say saying these things. And then all these, and now I'm somehow a voice for other people. It's, you know, it's kind of like being the only gay in the village. Like if, if someone has only met one sex worker, they'll assume that every sex worker is like that one that they've met. It's the same as what they say about people with autism. Like, you know, if you've met one person with autism, you've only met one person and everyone's different. Same with people with disability. Like, but people will assume, like if, if they've only met one person of that particular group, they'll just assume that everyone else is exactly the same. Um, yeah. And that, that's a real danger. I feel like I definitely take that on as a black dude because I'm like, hey, we're different. We're not all the same. So, uh it's oh my god! Put that shit oh on yeah, you. fuck. That's a whole, whole discussion there too, right? 
And, and yeah. you, you know, you can see when people are doing it, do you find when you say or do something and you can see their little brains going, oh, this is what black people do. And you're like, stop that. <laughs> Luckily, I feel like it happens like definitely less in Atlanta because Atlanta is like real mixed, you know, but definitely more so in like North Carolina. It'd be, uh, I feel like, oh, my experience that you're having with me right now is like maybe like a rare experience that you've had with a black person. Oh. Um, it's just, inter- it's just interesting. Yeah. It's a lot to put on you, and I think the same applies to sex work. Like I'm, I love talking to people about this stuff, but then, yeah, don't don't put on me that I speak for everyone because I just don't, and I like tons of people have had heaps of experiences I haven't and can talk about it better. Like we really need those other people too. We need diversity of stories to really it's get really what just it's all about. Any my, it's, it's really any minority kind of group. When 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 they do something, it gets put on the whole – the whole group, but when the majority group want the one person from the majority group does something, they're like, Oh, they're just an individual. They're not, you know, they don't represent uh, us. You know, there, there was something someone said online once around this, like, Oh, uh, you know, when I, when I look in the mirror, I don't see a white man. I just see a man. Yeah. And it's that, it's that kind of like, I, I don't see it. it it's the, it's only the thing that stands out as different of the things that we point at. Um, and what's different depends on where you're standing. So when we, yeah, we kind of see like white, straight, et cetera, as the default, it's, and yeah. everything else is different. Yeah, you're right. It's super interesting. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. God damn. This, Politics. This, wor- <laughs> this world's wild. <laughs> it is. It is. And until you start talking to people, I actually had a really cool discussion. Again, I drunk too much and I went to my favorite cafe to recover. And these two old blokes, this was last weekend, were sitting talking about, their cousin who had just come out as trans and okay. they were uncomfortable and they were misgendering her and they were like just they were having a struggling right and and yeah. so I sort of went hey guys I'm gonna cut in on your conversation here like let's I'm let's have a conversation around this shit because you know like a lot of my friends are trans too and it's okay and they were like oh <laughs> and I, I just, think that it's always nice when you can kind of have that space and allow people to also be like themselves too when they're trying to have that conversation because a right. lot of times like they're ignorant and they're like they don't really know what's up they never met another trans person so they might say some shit in ignorance you know not really getting it but not allowing that space for that conversations to where it's like mm-hmm. oh they said some ignorant shit you're fucking done can't we still Great have this know. space where we can talk about this shit rather than you know you said this you're wrong i believe this i know i'm right that space, like you entering into that conversation, trying to have that with them, I feel like is a fucking, it's ulti- It's a great thing. Just because I feel need this way about sex work. I feel like sometimes when I tell people I'm a sex worker, their their brains just kind of shut down and they're like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable right now. And for me, the right thing isn't to shame them for feeling uncomfortable because the reason they feel uncomfortable is because of all the crappy sex negative stuff that they've been taught or their trauma or whatever. So I so to not shut someone down because they're struggling, but to say, hey, yeah, I know it, it feels pretty confronting that I've told you I'm a sex worker and like maybe that's going to bring up some shit for you. I understand. I'm going to give you a minute to process that because it's, it's okay. It's okay to feel uncomfortable, um, yeah. you know, and understandable. Yeah. Yeah giving people a bit of a space to come to a better feeling around it. And then often they do if they're given that space. Not always, but but often in my experience. Yeah, there has to be that there has to be that space or else we can never come to this understanding if people the space is the space is one of the most important things. Mm, we gotta have the time. It, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And not everyone, obviously not everyone wants to learn and wants to be open minded, but a lot of people are. They just struggle because they've been told that sex is so bad. Um, and, and they need time. They just need time to process. Sometimes they need a lot of time. And then I come, I circle back and they're like, oh yeah, it's fine now. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. How did that, how did that conversation turn out? Where the, did you, mm. how did that, how did that play out? It was really nice. We just had a bit of a chat about my experiences around trans stuff and, um, just, you know, like that it sometimes it's uncomfortable to get your head around when, you know, someone you thought was one way, whether it's gender or whatever, whatever you think about them, suddenly things are different, that, that it can feel confronting and that that's okay and give yourself time to come around to the new, the new way of seeing like, and they were like, oh, yeah. And then one of the blokes got super worked up about gay rights and started talking about Alan Turing, bless him, um, and that was just lovely. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. That's sweet. That's a, that's a sweet story. 
It was lovely. And they were both lovely old straight Aussie blokes. Hell yeah. Hmm. You are a sex <laughs> educator as well, right? Yes. I mean, that story probably yeah, illustrates I love to invade other people's personal conversations and go, hey, <laughs> have you thought about this slightly differently? That's always fun, you know, especially when you know you can hit them with some truth bombs and they ain't ready for it, you know? Yeah, it's judging whether people are ready. And I run workshops in ethical hookups, so ethical casual sex. And okay. it is very much a case of what are people ready for right now? Like I'm not going to tell them to go out and shag everyone in the world. That's not what it's about. It's like, hey, so what What holds you back from getting laid? Like what are you nervous about? What do you feel down on yourself about? Um, how do you feel like you might not be good enough? And then let's get over that stuff before we start trying to chat people up on dating apps or whatever. Yeah. Cause I feel like you got to be ready when you're before the, before the whole dating app thing, you got to be ready for, for the dating app, for the dating part. Right. You know? Like I got the profile, but I'm not ready for the thing. You know, you got to right? be ready mentally. Or else it's and not if you start trying it. to talk to people before you're ready, you'll just give off weird vibes. And they'll they'll get the weird vibes, and you you won't get a date, or you won't get laid because they'll just be picking up on the fact that you aren't really nervous or ashamed or whatever, right? Yeah, because I'll start the swiping, and then I'm like, what am I fucking doing swiping? I'm not ready. I'm not ready for this shit. <laughs> I did that. I tried to go back on Tinder about a month ago, post lockdown. I'm like, yeah, great, I can do this again. Matched with some bloke who looked very attractive because that's Tinder. Everyone looks attractive in their profile pictures, and then. I'm well. like, hey, how you doing? Like, how you feeling coming out of lockdown? Like, yeah, you are you ready to get out there again? Tell me about your experiences. And and he went, ha ha. <laughs> that was it. it. I'm like, okay, mate, <laughs> we're not going to get along. What? Oh, man, people listen to podcasts. Y'all got to have some better follow ups than ha. Yeah, Jesus. yeah, good, good banter game. Come on, folks. Even if it's like, hey, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. Like, that's yeah. my fallback. And I don't know what to say. Hey, so tell me a bit more about you. Like, how you doing? Yeah. Pretty <laughs> funny. So then I just went goodbye and I haven't been back on since. But I'll, I'll eventually get get the nerve up to go back on there again. You got this. You got this. Got this. There are people out there that can hold a good conversation. Yeah, for sure. Right. Just got to find them. Yeah, yeah. Just got to dig through the, the haze and the your vowels and the, yeah. Do you BPS. feel like... Do you feel like the the day – I mean, I guess it's – you don't really know yet because it's kind of new, but just I wonder how people – in the, the dating at post this lockdown after being inside a year, what the fuck – how is it going to be, I wonder? Right. I reckon we've all forgotten, and this could be a generalization, but like, you know, maybe we are all going to be super out of practice and it's going to be super nerve-wracking for everyone. Probably, probably for sure. Mm, I know I'm going to say a few embarrassing things. I've just resigned myself to the fact that I'm going to put my foot in my mouth a few times. Maybe I'll have to, you know, have a few drinks just to get through. Yeah. Before I start feeling comfortable talking to strangers again. Yeah. It's going to be wild. It's ultimately mm. good. Ultimately good though, that we're back out there, you know, it'll be, I'm really it'll be glad. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's hard. It's really hard not being around people, even if you're a quiet person. And if you're not, I know some people that have really suffered, like with no human contact, it's been really hard, like mental health stuff, all that stuff. Yeah. One of the things I did an interview, um, it was last year and uh, it was a couple and they work in Portland, I believe. And they, they were kind of talking about just like the, the no human interaction mm. and maybe you might live alone and that need for people seeing sex workers just to have that fucking human touch mm -hmm. and fucking connection with somebody. Because if you're maybe you work from home this whole time, you don't have a family, you live alone. Right. You might get your groceries delivered. You might not see anybody at all. Mm. And the fact that people kind of need that just connection and seeing sex workers throughout this time has just been like, you know, such a vital thing for a lot of people. So much. And it's not it's not generally always about sex sometimes it's just about other human beings like you know acknowledging your existence yeah. yeah yeah really big deal yeah just nice to fucking see somebody across <laughs> from me you know and we're talking i was a bit hysterical when i went out to this dinner date the other week it was me and it was one of my favorite doubles partners and it was one of our favorite mutual clients and we were all just full giggly and weird and just a bit a bit 
worked up because we hadn't seen each other in literally like a year and a half, two years. It was amazing just to actually sit across the table from someone. That's incredible. Yeah. It feels so good. It feels so, so good. good. I hope a lot of clients are having that experience now that they're, you know, getting the thing that we haven't gotten in so long. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, business, like it will just be like exponential, like just a suit right out of lockdown. People are like, oh my God, we got to go do this thing we haven't been able to do in forever. Mm. I'd be curious to know whether there's a big explosion or whether it's a slow start. And I don't, I don't have the data. Like what's your impression post, um, well, not post pandemic because we're still in it, but post the worst bits, like where you are, do you think that things picked up again really fast? I mean, I think at the beginning, the people that I spoke to said it got like it picked up pretty quick at the beginning, like kind of as soon as the vaccine came out, everybody was like fucking there to party. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know people I spoke to, you know, the end of the year always kind of sucks for people just because you got the holidays and people are trying to spend money on presents and all this stuff. So it kind of dips. But uh, yeah, I can't really, you know, can't speak for the people, can't speak for the people, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously family time too. Christmas is a big thing. So we might have to wait for a while to see how the, you know, the numbers pan out. Yeah. But I know that it definitely, when uh, when lockdowns kind of stopped and, you know, like vaccines picked up, definitely people started coming out that that weren't before. So. And hopefully new people, like maybe there'll, there'll be people that are like, oh my God, I just really need some touch and connection and, um, you know, sex work. I think sex work is gradually becoming more and more socially acceptable, even if we have some swings back and forth. Um, hopefully there's more and more people that are thinking, oh, maybe maybe seeing a sex worker is a good option for me to get my needs met post-pandemic. That would be really cool for people that hadn't considered it previously, you know? I mean, it really only makes sense too because I feel like if you listen to this and you listen to people, listen to me talk to people, you're like, what are we doing? Let's do the thing. Like it's – it's such a uh, man. You need to hear it from someone. And this is why I think it's great that you're doing a podcast as a client. I think clients need to hear from other clients that it's it, that this is an okay way to get your needs met, that this can be a good, great way to get your needs met. I'm actually, um, I'm running a little survey at the moment. Um, so I put together about 20 different questions. It's kind of like a, um, a big grand escort client customer satisfaction survey. So asking clients things like, you know, do you feel that seeing sex workers has improved your life? Um, Like, you know, do you get nervous when you're with a worker? You know, do you try new things often, stuff like that? And just asking as many people as possible um, all these questions and then kind of looking at where they land. And it's been running for about three days. But, yeah, like people have given some interesting feedback. And one of the best things is that most of the people that have answered the survey have said, like, sex work has made my life better. Like this is this is something I'm glad I did. This is something that's good for me. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's great. How, do you know how long, how long are you running it for? I'm going to run it at least until the end of the year. So I'll give you the link if you're interested. And I'm just okay, trying yeah. to get as many people as possible, just from as many places as possible, just to see like how do clients feel about their experiences right now? Like, yeah. So what I'll do, I'll definitely plug it in the, like the description for this episode. So anybody listening to this now that's a client can go and, you know, answer the survey people. What are you doing? That would be awesome. It's like super quick two minutes, but it's basically just a chance to to have your say, like, how do you feel about your experiences? Because I feel like we don't often ask clients. Clients don't get a chance to talk about this stuff. They can't talk about it with their friends most of the time. Um, you know, there's nowhere to really sit back and go, you know, how how has this been going for me? And I think that's good information to have. Can't talk to their wives. Uh, right. You know, can't subscribe to the podcast. Uh, what are you doing? Come on. Yeah, yeah. And and this, you know, podcast is a great way also to feel like you're kind of uh, like kind of connecting with other clients, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I, sh- I wish I would have, you know, interviewed more clients kind of throughout this too. I've only had maybe like three on the podcast. Um, mm. But I do think that it is kind of like a side of side of side of things that, you know, people kind of do need to see. Yeah. There's a really big stigma and it's hard to get people to talk up. I've interviewed some clients to write up in articles and things like that. And and often people are very concerned about their privacy. So getting someone on the record, I imagine with their voice would be quite hard. Have you found it hard to find people? Um, I haven't reached out to many. I've, I feel like I've only, only, and honestly too, only a few people have actually reached out, uh, mm. for the podcast. Um, but I think, I think it'd be a good thing. I feel like I saw, 
uh, I saw you just interviewed Jesse uh, Sage on your podcast. Oh, what a legend. Came out like, I know, right? I'm like, yo, I got to get her on the pod. She's great. Um, yeah, she uh, she was writing about how in order for people to change how they feel about sex work, she feels like the clients' voices also kind of need to be out there as well. Mm. I do feel like you kind of do need both sides. Um, you, you do. And just like we were talking about people making assumptions about sex workers because they've only met one, people make assumptions about clients because they've only met or heard of one. Like, oh, you know, um, people with a disability see sex workers because that's the only way they can get laid, which is really incorrect, by the way. Um, or, you know, people that see sex workers are just blokes that are cheating on their wives. But actually there are so many reasons why people see sex workers and we need to see all the reasons to understand that sex workers are really good service that addresses a lot of different stuff for people. Um, yeah. Like we need that kind of diversity of why. Why do people actually, um, yeah. Like I remember this this dude wrote into me. It's been like oh, probably a year ago at least. Um, and he was like, "Yo, hey, I'm like a veteran. I have my own business. You know, I have a divorce. I have like kids, and you know, I don't have time with this business to be like entering into a relationship with somebody. And so this is why I've chosen to see sex workers is because I I don't have time. I don't have time to enter into a relationship with somebody. I got all this shit going on. I have kids." And this is why I do it. And you don't really hear that that narrative. Mm. It's kind of like I, I have no choice but to do this, you know? Yeah, like it seemed like the, the bargain basement last option sometimes, but it's really not. It's actually just a really good service that's available if it's right for you. Like so good to hear that story. Yeah. Shout out to that dude. Shout yeah. out to you, bro. Hey, good on you. And good on you for speaking up. And maybe we should do this more often. Like I'd love if people – wrote in and told me they're wise. Um, and maybe I'll consider doing that, actually. I'd love to read out on the podcast, on my podcast, some stories. Oh, that'd be good, clients. yeah. That'd be good fun. So I might I might put out a shout-out because we, we need that. We need the diversity. Yeah. How long do you see yourself in sex work? Um, look, you know, till I get bored. Um, I, I have a friend. Oh, I talked about Jenna Love earlier. So she actually runs a podcast called um, Somebody You Love, and okay. she, uh, along with um, her um, her mate Holly Hart, and they just interviewed, I think, an eighty year old worker um, who nice. is like in the top one percent on OnlyFans, something wow. like that. Fucking awesome podcast, highly recommend. And that's like, yeah, man, if you can be in the top one percent of OnlyFans when you're eighty, like, smash those fucking stereotypes. I'm, I'd be wow. quite happy to stay in the sex industry until I'm like super old. That's incredible. World War II, um, baby. Yeah, yeah, really cool, really cool conversation. Highly recommend. So okay. Like, yeah, you know, but I, I get, I also get bored easily, so I start new businesses and I do other things, and then I learn other things and I come back, and it's nice to have that flexibility with sex work, where you can just yeah. leave and come back and leave and come back and all that kind of stuff. Fuck yeah! So let's take a little trip to the future. Five years from now, twenty twenty six. Where are you? What are you doing? Oh, this is the real manifesting time, right? What I would really like. So I'm really invested in the satisfaction project. Um, I really want to build that up. I want to reach people and get that to a level where it can just be the number one resource for people who are even thinking of seeing a sex worker, that that, that everyone will have somewhere to go to ask their questions um, or to find answers or to find a script for contacting a sex worker or to, you know, find a script for talking about consent in the bedroom. Like I just want those resources to be available to everyone. So that's my kind of number one focus at the moment, turning that into something where people are going to go rather rather than going, oh, shit, I think I might want to see a sex worker, but uh, can I really do that? Is it going to be weird? Um, you know, how do I do that? Instead of saying all that stuff to themselves, they'll just be like, hey, I'd really like to see a sex worker and I'm going to go to that website that shows people how to see sex workers and I'm going to get the info and then I'm going to get started. Hell yeah. I mean, that sounds like such a good thing because it's like when you're a client and you're new and you don't know shit, you're, I use Google, you know, at the beginning, I don't know what the Mm. hell I was doing. I use Google and you know, a lot of those websites that you're going to read stuff on are trash. Some really shitty stuff pops up. I mean, I also pop up by the way, Um, but (laughs) some really shitty, you'll get some really shitty advice or shamey advice. Yeah. So it's good that you're, you know, creating that so that, you know, people that are want to learn and don't know know what they're doing have that resource there i feel like that's that's a good thing 
I think it would be great if everyone knew it was there. And even, you know, regular clients who are really experienced, because we write about some pretty advanced shit as well, like how not to fall in love with your sex worker and just blow the whole thing to kingdom come, which happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, we talk about stuff like that. Um, you know, how to, you know, how to have a threesome if you've never you've never had one before, like the stuff that is a bit more tricky. Um, I just it would be really nice if people knew that there was a reliable resource for that stuff. Fuck yeah. This is good. It's not just like reading the sealed section of um you know Marie Claire or whatever. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so before we get out of here, do you get a story for the people? Can you leave the people on a story? Oh, okay. I can tell you about the most embarrassing sex I've ever had, if you're down for that one, because I do like that story. A hundred percent down. Let's hear it. This is a story that I'm always embarrassed to share, but it's also very funny. So um I have a um, doubles partner that I really love. I'm pretty sure I can uh, – she won't mind me naming her. Her name is Alice Gray. She's great. Um, Shout out. And we, we also had a client um, who wanted a threesome. Okay. And so um, the client booked both of us for this threesome. Um, but Alice and I are both a little bit musically inclined, so we both love singing and sometimes we post uh, ourselves singing karaoke on Twitter, which is hilarious. Um, she has a beautiful voice. I think she's classically trained. Um, and this client loves music. So he, whenever I see him, whenever I, I saw him, he put together a um, a playlist for each encounter, which was really cool. Nice. Um, so he put together a playlist for this special threesome that we were going to have. I think it was his first threesome. And uh, Alice and I turn up and it's, it's going really well. And then there's this point where um, – where we're both kind of on top of him and getting kind of sexy and making out and then suddenly Nickelback comes on and I'm really ashamed to admit this, but I really like Nickelback. Hey. I just do. I'm sorry. I do. And apparently Alice did too because we both started singing and so we're both just fucking this guy and she's sitting on him and I'm sitting on his face and we're singing Nickelback. (laughs) (laughs) And then afterwards we were like, oh, that was probably a bit wrong. That was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's my favorite embarrassing sex story but it is pretty bad no one's disowned me yet for liking nickelback but um but yeah i've got some looks i feel like when the sex is happening with an attractive person the song you know it's hard to take you out of that you know it was this vibe and it was a good song and we were totally vibing it was great everyone was vibing the way that me and alice vibe is sometimes bursting into song together you know do you remember what song it was I think it was probably the classic, you know, um, you know, uh, how's it go? The the classic one hit wonder Nickelback song, you know. How you I've remind been me? Wrong, I've been down. Words in my head, saying, "Are we having fun yet?" Yeah, yeah, that one. Oh my god! I could give you a better rendition if it wasn't eight in the morning. That was so good. That was so fucking awesome. We were so into it. First person to sing Nickelback on the podcast, Georgie Wolf. Hopefully people. the last. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the one and only time it's on the podcast. I'm so glad I could distinguish myself. <laughs> so great. Georgie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been mm. so much fun. Thanks for having me. It's been a good chat. Hell yeah. Where can the people find you? Where can they find your projects? Where can they find everything? Mm. So I'm like all over the place. Um, my website for escort clients is the satisfaction project and that's satisfactionproject.com. Um, I also have a book out about, um, ethical hookups and online dating, and that's called the art of the hookup. You can get that on Amazon or you can check out the website, which is artofthehookup.com. So that's more, less sex work and more just really good solid sex skills and, and it's kind of like ethical pickup skills. Um, if you're interested, I would love to hear from you on Twitter. So um, I am at Georgie Wolf on Twitter. And then I also run a Twitter account for the Satisfaction Project, which is at All About Escorts. Um, and yeah, like love hearing from clients, love hearing ex- um, experiences and stories because it helps me understand what you folks need to know. So please do get in, t- get in touch, like tag me on Twitter. That would be really cool. Hell yeah. Thank you so much, Georgie. Oh my God. People, give her give her a follow. What are you doing? Thank you so much. Yes, yes. Come and check it out. And, like, thanks heaps for chatting. Really nice to reconnect with you again. I feel like we always have good chats. I know, right? Hell yeah. Mm. This is great. We'll be back, people. We'll see you later. Bye.
I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Georgie Wolf. Shout out, Georgie. I appreciate you coming to the podcast. Such a such a good time. Always love chatting with you. Listener, she just plugged it. You can find her on Twitter at Georgie Wolf. You can find the Satisfaction Project on Twitter at All About Escorts. Also, satisfactionproject.com. I have links to all of those in the show notes. Click the links, do the things, give Georgie a follow, give the podcast a follow. And if you're a client, also check out the client survey. I have a link to that as well. That would help out so much. Hey, thanks for being here. This has been episode 107. Amazing. If you enjoy the show, follow us. We're everywhere. Subscribe at Full Service Pod. I'm at Tank Funkadelic. Do the things. We'll uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Super excited. I got an interview coming. Who's it going to be? I will not say. I'll probably tweet about it. And when I say I'm going to probably tweet about it, it's 50-50. I'm not really sure. (laughs) But, yo, thanks for being here. I have a link also in the show notes as well. I plugged it last week. One of my good friends, Rachel, has cancer. It's a GoFundMe, people. If you got some dollars, pay. Throw them dollars. That would warm my heart. Make me feel good, people. So I got a link to that as well. And uh, that's all she wrote. I hope you're good. hope your Thanksgiving is wonderful. Uh, We'll see you in two weeks. Later. Full service.